Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Howdy, howdy, and welcome in to the end of week two of the NFL. I am your host, Slapdog, and you are listening to Leather Brains. As I just mentioned, it is the end of week two, and there is so much juicy stuff to discuss. But I am not going to talk to myself because that is just weird. So I have joined with me today, Scotty Del Rey and Alan Casanova Castro. Gentlemen, how did week two fare for you? Fantasy-wise, my team sucked. Uh, NFL content-wise, it was good. <laughs> my teams did a lot better in week two than week one, so I can't complain. Step in the right direction. Yes. Uh, so today we are going to be going over our studs and duds for week two, our MVP of the week, of course. And then uh, we are going to be talking about the games, some more than others, in more detail than others, rather. And then we are bringing you waiver wire targets this week. So that was an absolute blunder on my part last week for anybody that was listening and or watching I was not thinking. I was thinking about a million different other things, but we are going to be bringing you waiver wire targets on Monday's episode. So welcome aboard, join in, and let's get down to it. Let's talk about it. Our week two MVP from the Leather Brains team is none other than Mr. Daniel Jones himself, mm. which sounds kind of disgusting. <laughs> sounds like something where you're like, why is Daniel Jones the MVP of the week? I'm going to tell you guys right now. It is because he got you 31.7 fantasy football points. Daniel Jones and the Giants. Giants are disgusting. They're terrible. We'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in, in just a moment here. But he went 26 for 37 for 321 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Danny Dimes, baby. He also had 59 yards rushing for a touchdown as well. So that is how he got you those 31.7 points. Congratulations to Danny Dimes' owner. And Daniel Jones, I know you listen to the podcast. Congratulations. You are the Leather Brains mm-hmm. MVP of the week, my mm-hmm. friend. Yeah, Daniel Jones won me uh, won me at least two leagues because of his 31-point output. So I'm like, uh, excited for him to be on the field every week. Always yeah, look forward to it. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. We'll get into it. We'll get into it, and, and we'll, we'll get be talking it. about the the, <laughs> the recaps. I, uh, go ahead, Alan. I was going to say, I, t- I, I when I texted you earlier, I was utterly confused when it said Daniel Jones. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I I also wasn't my MVP of the week per se, um, because he did crush the hopes and dreams of Cardinals fans. But uh, you know what? He was great for fantasy, so you got to give it to him. But. What about our studs and duds? Let's start out with the studs. Scotty, who'd you bring as your week two stud of the week? Oh, yeah. My week two stud of the week, and hopefully this is a trend, but it's Christian Kirk versus man coverage. There were a lot of murmurs about Christian Kirk and his efficiency uh, when facing man coverage, and obviously we had a lot of concerns after week one and him basically being written out of this offense. He became the Tyler Boyd of this offense where you didn't know if he was going to be involved at all. But during or, uh, facing man coverage, Christian Kirk gets open a lot, and hopefully this turns into a trend that allows us to predict for fantasy football purposes. But uh, he balled out against man coverage against those Chiefs. You have a note here, and it says versus man, and I just didn't know if it was just like Christian Kirk versus a wild man or what exactly your reference was there. So He'd probably Christian Kirk- that too. You probably would. Alan, who is your stud of the week, my friend? Yeah, my stud, I tried to go off of a little bit of the beaten path, uh, but it's kind of through the first two weeks, but I felt like we should give him some props, and that's Mike Evans. I know he's working through some contract stuff with the Buccaneers. He's got a new quarterback. Weren't sure how Baker was going to be. 
he had himself he had himself a pretty solid game and a win over the Vikings. Um, six receptions, sixty six yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, they were getting him the ball as much as they could. But I think it's good that he was producing. I think he's a kind of a pleasant surprise too from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean, I he I wasn't going to touch the Bucks at all. So, like the Bucks were uh, other than Rashad White. I really wasn't interested in owning many of the Bucks players because I didn't think Baker Mayfield could get it done. After two weeks, he's looking pretty damn good. So I got to I got to tip my hat to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks organization. And congratulations to Mike Evans on that stud of the week from Allen. My stud of the week is none other than James Cook, baby. I have been a high rider on this man for probably too long, and I'm not talking about sexually, although I'm not opposed to it either. Mm. Uh, he went 17 for 123, no touchdowns. But he also saw four uh, four targets, and he caught all four of those balls for another 36 yards. James Cook is the real deal, fellas. James Cook, I think, is is probably a must-start going forward. He finished with 19.9 fantasy points in those uh, PPR formats. So you're happy where you drafted him at after the first two weeks. His production level is, is wonderful. He's getting a lot of usage, and he's certainly producing for fantasy. So he is my bona fide stud of the week. Alan, we got to talk about duds. We're here for it. Who'd you bring? The duds. Dud of the week. The duds. I'm kind of the dud of my fantasy teams, to be completely honest. I had high hopes for Justin Fields. I thought with the weapons, they were going to figure something out. You can roll the tape. We can look at what he did, and we'll get into the game specifics a bit later. But just a freaking dud all the way around. He is just hosing me right now from a fantasy perspective. It's not a good look. And and I, my question to you, boys, is... Justin Fields, do we do do the Bears? I want to talk to some Bears fans out there, and perhaps I'll put a poll out on our Leatherbrains account. But like, is is the reality starting to hit for Bears fans? Where it's like this guy, like you had some hope for Justin Fields going into this this season, right? You get him a true wide receiver one. He looked great at the end of last season with his legs, but we haven't seen him really take the next step necessary with his arm. Is reality starting to set in for Bears fans that perhaps they need to start looking in another direction? I think yeah, it's I coming quick. And the other thing to, to <laughs> the other thing to consider, Alan, you wipe that smirk off your face, bud. Um, the other thing to consider here, I saw a video that made a really good point that Justin Fields' drop back time is like twice as slow as every other quarterback in the league. Like he takes forever to get to a spot where he can start making his reads. And I don't know if that's just because maybe his first instinct is to figure out how the hell he can get out of there as opposed to dropping back and making the reads like he should. But that's a little thing that's got to be fixed because that's why he's getting pressured so often. That's why he can't throw the ball more than 10 yards because he's taking twice as long to get to his throwing position as every other quarterback. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't know where you go from here. Uh, obviously, this year it's going to be Justin Fields, but depending upon where the Bears finish at, like they, they potentially could start looking for a quarterback replacement because he's not under a long-term deal yet. They haven't signed him to a long-term deal, and I think this is a shit-or-get-off-the-pot moment for Justin Fields as well as this Bears organization. So I completely agree with you on that dud of the week, and I am sorry for anybody who is currently stuck with him because you know you get value out of him with his legs, but you haven't seen it and seen him take that next that next step in the right direction. Scotty, your dud of the week for week two. Bring it to us. Yeah, this is depressing, man. It's A.J. Dillon. This is the reason this is so sad because, you know, on a week to week basis, you don't expect the world from A.J. Dillon. He's sort of a bi week fill in kind of guy that, you know, you have someone who you know is going to get touches, you know is going to see the field and will be good for hopefully double digit fantasy points. But this is this week is the reason why you draft A.J. Dillon for when 
Aaron Jones is out when they're facing an off or a defense that is known for its lack of ability to stop the run. You're like, yeah, this is AJ Dillon's week. If he doesn't perform this week, I don't know what to do with him. And he did not perform this week. He looked bad. He looked inefficient. Um, you know, it's just a, a big bummer. I was counting on him for a lot of th- uh, in a lot of leagues to be a superstar flex addition, and he uh, did not show out for me. Yeah, and he it was almost comical. I think you and I both uh, at the same time went on to Twitter and were answering some some Brainiac questions for starts and sets of the week. And somebody asked about AJ Dillon, and he was a lock, right? I mean, when you had that, like I think you had tweeted out and said. This is why you drafted AJ Dillon is for when Aaron Jones is not around because he's worked in when Aaron Jones is here. There's not competition. He's going to be the RB1. He's going to dominate the touches, and he didn't do anything with it. Couldn't agree more. Unfortunate dud of the week. My dud of the week is also running back, it being Joshua Kelly. He was somebody I was extremely high on this week, especially with the departure of Austin Eckler. We saw him last week get involved a lot, even with Austin Eckler in there. I mean, he saw 16 touches last week with only 48% of the snap count. He went in this week. Dominated the snap count at 79%. He had 13 touches. He only finished with 39 yards and 3.9 fantasy points for PPR production. So he didn't get a single catch. Very unfortunate for those that picked up Joshua Kelly off the waiver wire thinking they were going to get an Austin Eckler light, and they didn't. So Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Very, very unfortunate. But uh, let's let's move on here to the weekly recap. first couple games we are going to talk about is OTOT and there was not much love when we go OT. Sorry about that. I forgot that the audio does not quit on this platform. There's not much love when we go OT and I'm talking about our Leather Brains game of the week. The Seattle versus Detroit game is the Leather Brains game of the week here. Good game, fellas. It was an absolutely great game. There was some injury, of course, being from David Montgomery. He led the backfield in this one, but he left the game due to a right knee injury after spinning in place for about five seconds at least while the D-back just held on to his leg. Looked like he gave him a titty twister right on his calf, and uh, he's going to miss some time. At least three weeks probably is kind of what the prognosis – or excuse me, he's going to miss some time, not three weeks probably, but Dan Campbell said that he's on a day-to-day right now, so – if he misses time, is Gibbs an instant lock for you guys at this point? No. Is he? <laughs> no. So here's the thing about Gibbs. Where you drafted him at, you're going to play him, especially if Montgomery's not in there. It's Whether or not he's going to perform at a super high level, that remains to be seen because he's not exactly getting the workload that he needs to to do that. Um, but you got to play him. I mean, you got to play him in this situation. It's sort of like AJ Dillon. I, you, you drafted Gibbs for him to be the lead back. And now theoretically he's the lead back. So you got to plug him in. I, Gibbs owners. You had to have been, look, we don't root for injury. We've, we are very upfront about that. We have said that since we've started this podcast, we don't root for injury. 
But Gibbs owners had to be just a little excited when Montgomery got hurt because where people drafted Jameer Gibbs at, they're probably starting him, right? He's one. He's an RB1 on RB2 for them. So they're excited. They're starting him. They see Montgomery get hurt. Gibbs still saw single-digit carries after Montgomery left. Craig Reynolds saw a handful of touches following the injury and a lot in the red zone. Scotty, I know you're not a fan of Dan Campbell. We can't probably trust his running back room at this point. It seems like we have another DeAndre Swift situation. Well, so here's the thing about Dan Campbell. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my uh, previously disclosed feelings about him to the side. I'm gonna try and be objective here, but very admirable of you. The the red flags are starting to stack up with Dan Campbell because obviously, and we'll talk more about this in a bit. But the DeAndre Swift week, you know, when he got the workload and was unbelievably explosive, looked like one of the best running backs in the league, that's a red flag by itself, one, a red flag that many of us pointed to last season when DeAndre Swift wasn't getting the workload in Detroit. You have the Gibbs situation, which, on you know, as far as the eye test goes, everyone will agree Gibbs looks like the explosive running back in this backfield, and yet he is playing second fiddle to David Montgomery for whatever reason. It's another red flag. And then you have just the decision-making on the field with Dan Campbell, where he's, you know, going for it on fourth down in his own territory, which, you know, against the Chiefs, it was a ballsy call. It worked out great. And then punting it on his on the Chiefs 45, for whatever reason. And then this week, you have Dan Campbell again going for it on fourth down several times. But, you know, at the end of that game, they had three timeouts left on the 50-yard line with a chance to go win the game. And they ran the clock down and played for the tie. And as a result, they never saw the ball and they lost the game. Dan Campbell, the red flags are stacking up. And the running back room is just the tip of the iceberg for this guy. I like this. I like where this is where this is pacing. Like which thing is gonna win out? Scotty's blind hatred for Dan Campbell or Slaps' <laughs> no, blind I put, love. I've, I don't know if you've heard like me, but I put my bias to the side. <laughs> there's no way. I, no, I there's some bias long. There's there. no way. I think if you pulsed the team and you pulsed Detroit Lions fans and you said after week two, you're one and one, I think they're fine. I think as a team, as a coaching staff, they would take that. You go have to go to Kansas City. And this, was in, this wasn't in Seattle. This was in Detroit, was it? Uh, I think it was in Seattle. Was it in I Seattle? I, I mean, even, <clears throat> even more reason for it to be uh, excited about one and one uh, To go back about to the Jameer Gibbs, I think – I'm just concerned that you can see the explosiveness in Jameer. Like you feel like he should be getting the ball. It's one of those frustrating things, but ultimately Dan has, he has like a script that he likes to run on certain play calls and certain time. And I said it last week, if Jameer Gibbs is going to score, it's probably going to have to be outside of the 20. And this week was more of the same. Cause I think uh, Craig Reynolds saw a lot of, like he saw, had some red zone carries where you're like, what the hell are we doing? Like, this is my touchdown. Um, and you almost feel robbed. Yeah, I think perhaps it's because he wants to protect his speedster and and not get him injured because I feel like that's kind of an area where, I mean, you're more often than not between the tackles. It's a mosh pit. Perhaps he's trying to protect him. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I agree with you, Alan, and the fact that if you want a touchdown out of Gibbs, it's going to have to be a little bit farther back. So. Let's see how things continue. I still love Dan Campbell. I'm not going to talk shit on him. I think... Uh, like Alan said, I think you got to be happy with where you're at. Like you come in week one and you beat the Chiefs that you're very happy about that as any football team should be. And then this week you went into overtime. It was a winnable game for them and they didn't get it done, but they're still a very hungry team. They're still a very exciting team and I'm excited to see where they go from here. Not the only OT game that we had this week, though. We had the Titans versus the Chargers. This was a very close game. 
And for fantasy football players out there, I'm going to tell you very candidly in redraft formats, Isaiah Spiller, you can drop him because this is Joshua Kelly's backfield without Eckler. Like I said, he was my dud this week. He didn't look great, but he still was getting the, all of the touches almost without Eckler there. With Eckler there, I think he's still going to be involved a little bit, so you can drop him. Ryan Tannehill looked absolutely disgusting. 20 for 24, 246, and one touchdown. Not a line you love to see out of a veteran quarterback. Usually you want to see that number a little bit higher. He didn't turn the ball over this week, which was great, but uh, still did not look wonderful. They did get the win, but my question to you guys is this. Quentin Johnson, he went one for two for seven yards. You drop him right now for depth space. Redraft, uh, yeah. I mean, the only reason you picked him up was for injuries, um, at which, you know, seem inevitable still with the other receivers on this team. It seems like at some point in time, he's going to be good. It's just a question of, do you need the depth space right now? So are, are you going to pick somebody up who's going to be valuable right now? If so, then yes. And if you're just going to pick up another handcuff type guy, then no, then keep him. And that is what I was hoping you guys would say, because I agree completely. He's one of those guys that set and forget unless you can find some usability on the waiver wire, which we're going to talk about some waiver wire ads at the end of the episode here. So um, one of those guys might be a very valuable ad in comparison to holding Quinton Johnson for the what if Keenan Allen looked great. He's wide receiver five in the year through two games. He is elite. The only thing, like you mentioned, Scotty is can he stay healthy? And you know, we don't root for injuries. We're hoping so, but both these wide receivers are aging and, and, uh, you know, when he's on the field, he is absolutely dominant. Dominant. So, yeah. Alan, quick you have question. question on this one? Yeah, I had a quick question for you guys. Just something to stew on, and I know we'll get to the Bengals game here in a second. But which of these teams being zero and two is most surprising to you, and kind of the fantasy output or lack thereof? Would it be the Chargers or the Bengals? But both starting zero and two, both looking a for little me, it's rocky. Bengals. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the Bengals, like yeah. because at the at the end of the day, both these chart like both games that the Chargers have played in, it has been an offensive scoring game. It has been fun to watch. It has been something that you see signs of life out of that offense. And and like you mentioned, we'll talk about the Bengals here in a little bit. But you're you're not seeing any of that. You're not seeing any signs of life back there in that entire offense. Very concerning. So if it was anything, oh and two, I'm very shocked that it be the Bengals. Yeah, for sure. And the Bengals are by far more concerning because they don't look like the same team that we expected them to look like this season. Whereas the Chargers, I mean, if anyone's on the hot seat in uh, in the Chargers organization, it's Brandon Staley. You know, he's, a, he's a, a defensive type coach and their defense is not getting the job done. Their offense looks stellar. I mean, they're, they're explosive. They're putting up points. They're putting up yards. Um, their offense looks good. I, I think the Chargers are going to be just fine. And I think the Bengals are going to be just fine too, but definitely they're the biggest uh, concern of the Quick. team. Quick stat here to throw at you. I think this is the first time in NFL history that a team through two weeks has scored like 50 points with no turnovers and is 0-2. <laughs> yeah, like, they, yeah they, like I said, they don't have a turnover in two weeks. Which is great. Which is great. But it's yeah. it certainly sucks for um for Chargers fans because yeah, they've wild. they've been in the game both times. So speaking of being in the game, Phillies, Minnesota Vikings, Phillies win this one 34 to 28. Jalen Hurts didn't play well. Like that's that is one hundred percent. I firmly believe that watching that Thursday night game, I was not impressed with the play of Jalen Hurts whatsoever. He looked like he was panicking. He looked like he was not making his reads properly. The only reason he was usable for fantasy football is because he got the tush push in for two touchdowns, which was great. He had a couple okay throws, but I expected more out of Jalen Hurts. Now I will say this: they have a new offensive coordinator. 
perhaps maybe that's the reason. Maybe we're seeing some struggles there. They have a new guy back there calling the plays, making up the offense. That could be some of the issue here. But I'm going to tell you what wasn't the issue, and his name is DeAndre Swift. He went 28 for 175 and one touchdown, three for three for six yards. DeAndre Swift is the story of the week. He looked absolutely phenomenal this entire game. So my question to you guys is, Dan Campbell shooting himself in the foot here a little bit? Is he uh, biting his tongue because he let DeAndre Swift go and then he sees, oh shit, he can do this with another team. Why did I not try and get the same production? Well, I'll, I'll bail Dan Campbell out a little bit because I do think, you know, obviously I do think that DeAndre Swift was the one who should have been getting much more touches in Detroit, but... Detroit does not have the uh, the Eagles offensive line. I mean, you can't expect this level of production from DeAndre Swift basically anywhere else. Um, and the big thing is, is he got 28 carries. I mean, they were able to they weren't able to do anything but run the ball on this team. So they were feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. Um, but still, De- you know, DeAndre Swift should have been the workhorse in Detroit. Um, and even when he got injured, then Dan Campbell didn't let him sit for any period of time. He brought him back in just to get six carries a game and risk re-injury over the course of five games. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go on Dan Campbell, but I don't think that this particular showing is mm. necessarily indicative of that. Yeah, I thought it was quite the week for a pickup where a lot of people picked up Gainwell. I feel like with their <laughs> in, on the, the waiver wire and then Swift went out there and just did that. I did get a lot of texts this week that were like, oh, damn it. I left him on my bench. <laughs> Very comical, right? You know, we had kind of talked about Gainwell. Yeti and I just briefly mentioned him on Wednesday's episode. Obviously, we kind of missed the waiver wire thing. But I asked him, I said, hey, what do you think about, about Gainwell? Because a lot of people are grabbing him. And he said, I wouldn't. And I said, I wouldn't either. And neither of us did in any of the leagues. And, and that's kind of why. Is I think Swift certainly made the argument he should be getting some playing time after his performance. But my my next question in this game was on the flip side of this, the Vikings should Alexander Madison continue to get the play in time? Because he hasn't looked great. He went eight for 28 and zero, three for six for 11 yards. He lost a fumble. He's on the field a lot. Alexander Madison is getting usage as far as snap counts, but he's not doing much with him. So hmm. it, do you bench Alexander Madison? Do you continue I, to start him and hope that a new narrative is spun for his his signs of life? Like, what do you do here? I think it's you, you. I think it depends on your obviously your own team situation and what you have in the backup. He certainly has usage question mark. Obviously, they're going to want to pass because they have the weapons to do it. I was certainly in the camp before the season where I felt like with Dalvin Cook out of the way, the ultimate handcuff for years has been Alexander Madison. He was pretty much just drafted just to f over whoever drafted Dalvin Cook, <laughs> and you're now you're like okay, now let's see what he can do. And I thought there was a lot of optimism behind it, but not looking great. I mean, Scotty just mentioned the Eagles line before this. I think the Eagles defense also grain of salt. Like their secondary is their weakness. And so not surprised that the secondary went off in that their the front seven controlled that line. Minnesota also had some injuries on the O-line. So I wouldn't panic a hundred percent, but I would it gives me a little pause for concern that if he isn't as effective in the next coming weeks, you might be screwed. Well, and we expected him obviously to be more effective than this, but this type of performance is the reason why he wasn't a second round pick. I mean, everybody knew this guy was a backup running back. He wasn't able to win the job on his own team for many years. You know, you can't expect the world from him. What you're looking for is field time and opportunity. And he has those still. So, you know, matchup dependent, he could be a smash play. Um, so I'm, I'm not panicking to the point where I'm benching him necessarily just yet, unless you have a much better option. And he is playing the Chargers next week. The Chargers, prototypically, these last two weeks have given up quite a few points. So he might be worth that play. 
you know, and then he's get he gets the Panthers the following week, which also could be a usable play for him. So our hands may be hovering over the panic button, but we're not hitting it yet. Is that fair to say? Nope, not hitting it. Okay. Yep. All right, let's move on to Tampa Bay versus Chicago. Tampa wins this one 27 to 17. Khalil Herbert led the backfield in this one with Roshan Johnson being involved, but Foreman was a healthy scratch. I'm going to say this. Don't trust any of these running backs. I'm not starting any of these running backs. This is a three-man committee, like I mentioned. Um, they got a couple back or running backs that are getting time. So, like I said, Foreman wasn't involved in this one because he was a scratch, but still not playing any of them. Justin Fields. He went 16 for 29 for 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, two fumbles, sacked six times. <sighs> Justin Fields is not <sighs> looking very sharp. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't know where the Bears go from here. Obviously, he's going to be their starter this year. But given where they could end up as far as end of season, maybe they look towards the future because it's not a good look for the Bears and it's not a good look for Justin Fields. But I will say this. DJ Moore was more involved this week. He saw more than two targets. So, you know, golf clap to the uh, Bears offensive coordinator for realizing they have a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. He went (laughs) six for seven for 104. So... Usable for fantasy. He didn't get that touchdown like anybody was hoping he would, but getting over 100 yards out of DJ Moore, I mean, he was um, he was a good part of Justin Fields' 211 yards, so I, I think he'll take it. He's earned wide receiver two slash flex consideration, but is he a set and forget after a better performance this week, or is he still somebody where you're kind of like, eh, I can swap him out for someone else? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be matchup dependent for DJ Moore. It is encouraging to see that they learned how to work him into the scheme, right? Where where they know, okay, Justin Fields isn't getting the job done downfield, so we need to have DJ Moore run more of these short routes. And they realized that, which is good, because they recognize that he's a weapon. So that is encouraging. So I'm more likely to play him after this week, not just because of the point total, but because of the way that the offense used him. Yeah, same. I think he's going to be one of those guys where he's going to get lathered up and get more and more touches um, just for, by the sheer design. So 100% agree with Scotty. Wouldn't forget it, but I would be confident that he's going to get his. Okay. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I would probably also be starting him as in a flex or wide receiver two role. I'd still be comfortable with it. Yep. Uh, I have one more question here. I know a few games ago we talked about most surprising 0-2 start. Now that we talked about the Bucks in this game and Baker getting – the Bucks to two and zero, which is very surprising to me. Which is the most surprising two and zero start thus far? Baker with Tampa Bay, Sam Howell with the Commanders, or Ritter with the Falcons? I think it's Tampa Bay. Um, and you know, on pa- on paper, Tampa Bay has a lot of weapons. They really do. Um, you know, obviously some aging assets there, but their offense has the capability of moving the ball. The question was Baker Mayfield. And we saw a little bit of a spark with him in LA for a short period of time last season, but the confidence was not there. Um, As far as Sam Howell uh, goes, we were all, I mean, at least I was, and I think most of us were relatively high on this offense. Sam Howell looked great in the preseason. We know that Jahan Dotson, when he's healthy as a weapon, Terry McLaurin is steady. So we knew that this offense has the opportunity to move the ball down the field. Um, The biggest surprise for the commanders to me is uh, the running back situation there. Uh, with Robinson looking like a star, whereas I was more of, you know, under the impression that he was someone who could get the job done, but that I wasn't real excited about. And he's he's looking real good out the gate. Um, and as far as the Falcons go, Ritter has nothing to do with their success at all. It's all about Bajan Robinson. I see. Here's my <laughs> argument. I don't I don't know if I agree with that. 
I and and the reason I say this is because I actually watched quite a bit of this Falcons game. And Raider, I'm not trying to say he's a great quarterback, but I'm going to say he was making some decent decisions. I don't it, the decisions were not indicative of him getting Kyle Pitts or Drake London very involved, but he was making the right choices in a couple different areas where I just saw a flash of maybe this kid could be something. So he he had a couple decent runs. He went 10 for 39 and one touchdown on the ground. He he looked like he was he was doing okay. I mean, he he went 19 for 32 for 237 yards. Ryan Tannehill just did that. You know, so like and you talk shit on him when he did it. The, the, thing, yeah, the thing but the difference is is Ryan Tannehill is a veteran okay. quarterback. Yeah. And and for all intents and purposes, Desmond Ritter is yeah. A rookie. So here's I, the argument that I'll make. And it's a similar argument that I make with Brock Purdy. If you put in Derek Carr into this offense, it's better. If you put in Jimmy Garoppolo into this offense, it's better. Right. So are you going to, are you going to lay the success at the feet of the quarterback? Or are you going to say, okay, there are a lot of weapons on this team that the defense has to respect, which opens up the field quite a bit. And by the way, Bajan Robinson is going to get you 125 yards on the ground and another 70 yards through the air every single week. See, here's here's what I don't understand. You are a venomous hater of Dan Campbell, but you don't talk a lot of crap on Arthur Smith for his lack of usage for both Drake London and Kyle Pitts, which is I, interesting. I, it's because I I have the hatred that I hold for the Falcons can fall more at the feet of the GM because they did not. This this is a team that could have been a legitimate. I think they might be a playoff team anyway, just because of the division. But they could have been a legitimate contender if they actually did something about this quarterback situation. Because you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts, now you have Bijan Robinson. There are so many <laughs> weapons on this offense, and instead of actually dealing with the quarterback situation, you said, "Well, we're going to give this basically rookie the keys to the sports car and just see what happens." So I, I think that Arthur Smith is doing everything that he can with the situation that he's got. What and I he's got a cool mustache. Is- what I think is amazing is I derailed the shit out of this. And you did. <laughs> you did. I mean, now Maybe. we're talking about Falcons and we have. Yeah, we'll get to it. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. We got there. I, I we'll, get the to it. we'll get to it. We'll let's, get to it. Let's move to a game that you guys have some more passion about. And it's the Kansas City Chiefs versus Jacksonville. KC wins this game 17 to nine. I'm going to be honest. This game was not very exciting. The Chiefs struggled not to hand the ball over for a good part of this game. You're both our resident Chiefs fans on this uh on our team here kelsey returned alibi on a limited snap count and isaiah pacheco saw a more definitive role in terms of the snap count this week which he did and he he looked okay but the kc defense is much improved especially with chris jones coming back obviously that is a huge asset to the chiefs sky Moore, i don't know if i'm filling him as a as a bye week villain i think it's gonna be hit and miss kind of like it has been throughout the past couple years with the chiefs wide receivers I don't really, I mean, like I said, you guys are the Chiefs fans here. I'm not. I I was rooting for the Chiefs this week, as I did say in our group chat. So I don't want to sit here and seem like I was dogging on them, but this game is pretty boring. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think I texted our group chat. And I was like, this game is boring as hell. Thank God for YouTube TV and having the ability to split screens without, because I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I wasn't illegally doing the red zone thing quite yet at this portion of the day. And so I, what? I was definitely surprised. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, it was it was boring as shit. I mean, it just really was. And um, the thought I had about this game, and I wanted to make a note of it because I think when we get to, and we've kind of talked about it before with the commanders, is that Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs OC, who was looking for a head coaching job for years, left and went to the commanders. And we see what those 
star player like what he's getting that team involved with from a fantasy output you know they're they're dropping a lot of points and they're they're getting the ball out and they're scoring they're doing what they have to and then you bring that in with what the chiefs just did this past week i mean you're saying that this is the best quarterback in the league you're saying it's the best tight end obviously he's coming back from an injury but like that offense is just i think it's going to look like this this reminds me of back when the patriots were going through their retooling and were figuring things out where you just had a bunch of wide receivers that nobody was like super confident in but you had a tight end and you had a quarterback and a head coach that could kind of make it work (laughs) throughout the year so from like a fantasy perspective it's interesting to see where i'm like more interested in some of the commanders (laughs) <laughs> than I am the Chiefs at this point. And I think a large part of it is probably due to the enemy. It, I, I think that's a fair thing to say. You know, we, we're starting to see these, I don't want to say struggle, but the Chiefs have not looked like the Chiefs of old. And, and perhaps that is due to the offensive coordinator switch. I mean, the same thing I just said about the Eagles. I think that's a fair thing to have conversation about. The teams are going to look different. When you have somebody else who's strategizing and play calling and changing the offense, yeah, you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, by the way, if anybody didn't know, he's now once again the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Congratulations, Patrick Mahomes. It just happened today. He is electric. He's He is the best quarterback in the NFL. But I don't want to say he's struggling. His wide receivers are struggling. Like, Patrick Mahomes still looks wonderful. It's just the, the other pieces of that offense are really not getting it done. Chiefs need to look at a wide receiver. I mean, is that is that a fair thing as our Chiefs fans? The Chiefs need to look for a true, talented wide receiver. Yeah, 100%. They should have done that last season. I mean, it's it was clear even last year that we need an alpha out there that can draw coverages from defenses that aren't Travis Kelsey because he can only do so much, and we see what happens when he's on a limited snap count or not on the field. So the Chiefs definitely need to look for a wide receiver. I'm hoping that the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can pull them through what will likely be kind of a heart-wrenching, grit-your-teeth type season. Um, and what's really disappointing about this game is the Jacksonville offense also didn't show up. Which, which is kind of sad because this has the potential on paper to be a shootout game and a great game for fantasy, and I lost a lot of prop bets this week. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> uh, Colts versus the Texans. I don't think anybody is surprised that the Colts won this game. It was score was 31-20. to 20. I had the Colts win in this one. Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback for the Colts, looks absolutely Dominant. He went six for 10 for 53 yards through the air and three for 35 and two rushing touchdowns on the ground. However, he did exit the game in the second quarter after getting a concussion on his rushing touchdown. I've been impressed with this guy. He's the best rookie quarterback out of the group so far. And and I really do believe that it was the battle of the rookie quarterbacks this week. Texans didn't look bad. Texans didn't look bad. And Nico Collins, he should be in your flex on a weekly basis. If you did not know, he went seven for nine for 146 and one. He is CJ Stroud's go-to guy. Finished with 21, 24.1 points. The other guy worth mentioning here is Zach Moss. Weeks after breaking his arm. Look, (laughs) when I stub my toe, I'm ineffective for at least a week and a half. And this guy broke his arm a couple weeks ago. He comes into an NFL game and he goes 18 for 81 and one and four for four for 19 yards to the air. He is the back to own. He is absolutely the the running back to own for this Colts offense with all the JT drama going on. He saw 55 out of 56 snaps on the field. Dak Moss is the guy. Yeah, I agree. I think especially with Richardson's concussion, they're going to want to be maybe just a smidge more careful because you don't want him going down the Tua road of turning his brain into mush. So I think he he's physical enough to do that, but you're, you can only work out your brain so much. And so I could almost see Zach Moss even getting into more of a lather from here on. 
Agreed. So do you guys think, um, you know, obviously Zach Moss showed out this time around, but the other running backs in this room, given last week, uh, looked pretty rough. Cam Akers is now on the trade block, according to some rumors out of uh, the Rams organization, and I'm guessing Sean McVay will be willing to give him away for nothing. um, Otherwise, he's just going to be sitting there doing nothing. Maybe a sixth-round pick? We talked about Cam Akers in our group chat. I think, yeah, comparative to last year, it's the same drama, and we kind of had it teed up on the Rams uh, script here, but four minutes before the game starts, we get a notification saying Cam Akers is healthy and active and rumor has it that the Rams are looking to trade him. This is the same drama that we dealt with last year, the same drama. So is Cam Akers sleeping with Sean McVay's mom? That's that has to be it. That's, that's really the only other way you can go with this is that McVay is just totally going to dick with him because he's dicking with his mom question mark. It's gotta be. He's Cam McVay in the locker room is walking over to Sean McVay saying, you got to call me dad now. <laughs> so Sean McVay is saying, I'm getting you the fuck out of here. Like, I'm not dealing yeah. with this anymore. I it, t- To me, it's absolutely astounding. Cam makers. And here's the, here's the other interesting thing. Did they have this in mind all along? And I say this because you look at Cam Akers' usage last week. Were they trying to showboat, hey, we got a good guy here and try and mm-hmm. squeeze the squeeze the juice out of the lemon before they fucking kick him to the curb? Because you look at how many touches Cam Akers got last week and you're like, should I start him this week? Because while he was somewhat inefficient, the usage in and of itself makes it a pretty enticing yeah. start. And then three minutes before the game, you're like, oh, shit, I need to get Cam or uh, Kyron Williams in there ASAP because it's going to be a very different story. So... That's where my mind is at. I really do think that they were planning on selling him all along. And I like like you said, Scotty, I agree. I think that they will sell him for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And yes. the thing about Kyron Williams, too, is, you know, we saw Akers flash last season, but last week, Kyron Williams looked phenomenal. It looked like the better back compared to Akers. This week, mm-hmm. Kyron Williams looked phenomenal. So I wonder if, you know, the, the hatred of Cam Akers was compounded even more by, you know, going through the offseason, going through the preseason and saying, oh, Kyron Williams may be the better athlete here. Maybe we should get rid of this other guy. Perhaps so. And uh, uh, on other news, let's move on to the, the Ravens-Bengals game. Because there are a lot of people who didn't look good in this game. Ravens win this one 27 to 24. But what in the world is going on with Joey B? He did almost nothing in the entire first half. Then he started to get it going a little bit in the second half. He didn't do enough to get it done. So my question to you, boys, is this. Are we hitting the panic alarm on Justin or Justin on Joe Burrow? Is our hand hovering over the panic button? Or is uh, is Joey B just the oven still preheating? He's about to start cooking. Like, what are we doing here? It's it's still pre-eaten, and the reason for that is Joe Burrow is one and seven in the first and second week since he's been in the NFL. He has not been good to start the season any year that he's been in. So you just hope that they figure it out over time. Obviously, the weapons are elite on this team. There's no way they don't get better. Um, and Joe Burrow still dealing now with this injury that happened in the preseason and has been nagging him. Um, I think if, if you're someone who drafted Joe Burrow, like I did in a couple of leagues, you just got to wait it out. It'll be fine. Same. I think it's, I think it's a little bit, I think you have to hope it's the calf injury and you have to hope he gets over it because even if it is the calf injury and that thing lingers, we're kind of looking at this from a fantasy perspective for the whole year. And then you're looking at chase and you're looking at Higgins, not knowing where that's happening. The spread is being really weird right now. And if it is, if it's, I hope it's the injury. 
But even if it is the injury, that doesn't mean it's better because we could be messing with that for a lot longer. But it, it does look way off right now. And you mentioned his injury. He does have a calf injury. For those that do not know, uh, it was kind of found out at the end of the game. Um, some are speculating he may miss some time to get this right. But starting 0-2 is a little difficult for the Bengals, I think, to wrap their heads around, especially when they want to try and compete this year. You know, you sit him out for two or three weeks and you run the potential to go in 0-5 before your guy gets healthy. So Zach Taylor, head coach for the Bengals, said it's hard to say if Joe would be ready to play next Monday night versus the Rams. The team is still evaluating. The the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel here is that Joe Burrow has a little bit longer to try and recover with that being a Monday night game. So if if they were smart at the very least, perhaps you give him the this game off and let's let's see if we can get him healthy. And I don't know. I'm not a head coach. I'm just a guy sitting here with a cowboy hat and a Hawaiian shirt on <laughs> spitting some uh, spitting some stats and information. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, running backs for the Ravens. Let's talk about them real quick. They were both involved in the Ravens' run game. I don't expect this to change. They both had 10 and 11 carries, respectively. We alluded to this, you know, with J.K. Dobbins going out. Edwards was the better back. He continues to be the back to own, but only if you're, like, you know, mock 100 shit hit the fan. You need to start somebody. Perhaps Edwards be that guy. But I'm I'm very hesitant to start either of those guys, and I think everybody else should be. Last thing to talk about real quick in this game, and I think this is kind of interesting. Mark Andrews, welcome back, baby. He led the targets for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, which was very great to see for anybody that took that third round dart throw on Mark Andrews. Congratulations. But I, I do have a stat here that's pretty interesting. And we have a ticker. For those that are watching us live, we have a ticker rotating, and it has a bunch of different information. But one of those things is Zay Flowers in week one saw 47.6% target share. In week two, he saw 15.2% target share perhaps it's mark andrews and mark andrews is truly the wide receiver one and zay jones while is still effective and still a great young talented rookie wide receiver perhaps mark andrews is the difference maker that uh that is going to be looked at very early and often for uh, lamar jackson there I think there are probably a couple things that go into that because obviously Mark Andrews is a target hug, but also now NFL teams had a week to say, oh, crap, Zay Flowers is the real deal. We got to actually prepare for this guy. Um, ultimately, Zay Flowers is still going to be a, a pretty much start every week until he strings a couple of these performances together because the talent is there. This offense is explosive. They're going to be in scoring position a lot. Um, and I think he has pretty much proven that he's the number two target. OBJ is... You know, he's a guy that's out there. He can catch some balls, but I think, you know, nobody would argue that Zay Flowers is the more explosive of the yeah. wide receivers. Yeah, I think a thing to note there, too, is OBJ did go out with an ankle injury, I believe, in this game. So we'll see how he looks next week. But I agree. It is Mark Andrews, that little safety net, little safety blanket for Lamar. And we've said that. I think everybody's been saying that forever. So it's it's not changing. I think if, oh, I think if Odell is out, I think flowers with even more confidence and i think you see that target share adjust accordingly agreed next game here buffalo bills versus the las vegas raiders what a boring game buffalo wins this one 38 to 10 yeti sorry i apologize but you got your booty smooched in the worst way nice. possible in the worst way like not the greatest thing. way in the worst that sounds way. like a good thing dirty old poop lip smooch i think i think yeti the only thing he hopes is that the game ended when he was on the plane before it took off I agree. and then <laughs> If like that moment was trapped in time, I think you'd have been happy because then as soon as he got in the air, it was all downhill. Yeah. Uh, Raiders were down. Josh Jacobs forgotten. Devontae Adams was the only usable wide receiver for the Raiders. I don't really know if there's anything to talk about with the Raiders, but with the Bills, let's talk about James Cook, my boy. 
the unsung hero, the king himself. He went 17 for 123 and zero on the ground and four for four for 36 yards in the air. Y'all already know my thoughts and opinions on James Cook. So let me ask the both of you, is James Cook a must start moving forward? Because while he is certainly usable, he's not getting involved in the red zone much. So let me uh, let me throw you guys a, a little yeah. bone there if you guys are not interested. Yeah, I appreciate you throwing that in there. I think with having a bowling ball like Josh Allen on your team, it's going to be a little tough. And then they have two really good tight ends. Uh, must start for me just based on usage and how much they like to get him the ball. It's not by accident. It's definitely by design. I think as the year progresses and as the season progresses and it gets a little colder, and gets a little more chilly, I think you're going to see a little bit more James Cook. And I think they're going to start trusting him even more. And I think you can see that must start for sure. There's no doubt that they are designing him into this offense because Josh Allen throughout his career does not check down. He does not throw to running backs. And he, they are making it a point to get James Cook the ball, uh, not only on the ground, but in the passing game. So I agree with you. The red zone work just kind of sucks, but ultimately the usage is going to be good enough that, and, and just the, the running back situation over the whole fantasy landscape is such that you got to put James Cook in the lineup, man. I, and right now he's RB9 on the, on the season. Granted, it's only week two, but something worth noting is he's getting used. And that's something that you can't say about some of these other running backs that you drafted probably earlier than James Cook. So... Uh, I agree. James Cook's my guy. What about Gabe Davis? Is is his season, is his career back on track? He has had a very rocky, very concerning, very difficult to even trust in your flex position career thus far. But he's six for seven, 92 yards and a touchdown in this one. Is Gabe Davis somebody that you guys are comfortably throwing in that flex position now? I think it's uh, I think it's like being in Vegas. You just have to hope that number hits and you get it that week because I don't think you're going to be able to pick and choose even based on who they're playing or whatever. I think it's just it, he's going to luck into a great week or not. And I, if you're going to start him, you just have to be you have to understand his floor is zero and his ceiling is like 17. So pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just as likely to get zero points as he is to get three receptions for 140 yards and two touchdowns. So that's that's just the way his career's always been. So he's someone that uh, you you throw in in a bind and you just pray to the gods. I you guys hit it perfectly. Last thing to note here in this game is something to note: the Bills are using a lot of multiple tight end sets. So for those that drafted Dalton Kincaid and were excited that this rookie was going to take over this tight end back or tight end room, rather he hasn't. Kincaid did go five for six for 43 yards, but Dawson Knox is still here. He is still being involved. He went three for five for 10 on a touchdown. So Knox actually outperformed Kincaid for fantasy. Need to note it because Kincaid is on the field a lot, and I understand that, but that doesn't mean he is the only tight end here. And well, tight ends, as we know, are crapshoot. The interesting point of this is I, I think this also kind of goes into the way that they're working this new offense, that Josh Allen, it, they're, they they made the active decision to say, Josh Allen is a great quarterback. We got to make sure he doesn't die. So we need to design some plays where he's got a lot of outlets, including James Cook. And you notice that just with with the usage of Knox. Over the last two weeks, he has been way more usable from a fantasy perspective than he was basically the entire season last season. He was very, very rocky last season. And he's a lot more consistent this year. And I think that's by design. They're, they're trying to give Josh Allen those outs. So I think Kincaid, you know, tight ends are so gross that you just never know anyway. And I'm okay with Kincaid being in the starting lineup because he's on the field so often. And it's going to be a crapshoot no matter who you have a tight end, if they're not Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons beating the green Bay Packers 25 to 24. Jordan love didn't look great this round. 
But honestly, like you mentioned, Scotty, A.J. Dillon as your dud of the week, he also is pretty absent without Aaron Jones there, who was also absent. They're missing Jones. Christian Watson's not there. It's a tough situation for Love. I'm not writing Love off. I think he's very obviously. I mean, this is week two. We're not going to hit any sort of panic buttons here. But I will say this, and I said it earlier, Desmond Ritter, he showed me just a little sliver of hope for what this offense could be with him at the helm. I don't think he yeah. looked terrible. I don't think he looked great. I'm not going to sit here and say he was wonderful, but he showed me a couple plays in which I said, perhaps this kid could be the future for the Falcons. Yeah, I think to some to give you a little bit more umph there slaps is that in this game, if you dig into the stats, the Falcons doubled up the Packers in total yardage. It was a one point game, but if you go into all the metrics, it was it was very lopsided from a from like a stats perspective. It didn't look like it should have been a one point game. And so something to stew on there. I think if you're a Falcons fan or if you own somebody on the Falcons, it's just there the there's opportunity. And I think Bijan and Ritter, I think, can give enough space. Now we just need Pitts and London, for God's sake, please. <laughs> Well, I mean, like Mac Hollins, I think, you know, Ritter looked for Mac Hollins in the end zone, which is fine, I guess, if you're trying to get a touchdown and you did it. But like, I saw a lot of people upset about that. And they're like, you have two very talented pass catchers and you're looking for fucking Mac Hollins. Well, perhaps it's because Mac Hollins isn't getting keyed by defenses. I'm mm -hmm. not too sure. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, look at every single play. And I didn't really analyze that play to its fullest extent, but he got him the ball. And it was Holland's fault that he was out of bounds when he caught it, but he he did get him the ball. Yeah. And and Ritter looked good. I I'm not going to say great. I'm not going to say you know this guy's the future. But I'm going to say this: he showed a flash in me, which I thought perhaps <laughs> this guy could be. Yeah, uh, I would have started him over Fields. <laughs> sure, <laughs> in hindsight, <laughs> yeah, because I mean Ritter is just as likely to do this as he is to have twenty total passing attempts in a game, and all of them go to the running backs. Um, the, the the I don't know the the thing about Ritter is um, you you there's no excuse for not having at least this level of success with the talent that's on the field. The defenses have so much to worry about with this Falcons team. Like you should be able to find open guys almost every time you drop back. And by the way, this offensive line is really good too. So Ritter could be usable. I'm not going to attribute that to his talent. I just think he's in the prime situation and I think he's going to underwhelm given the situation. Well, you know, you root for the worst. I'll root for the best when we'll be somewhere in the middle. That's where you <laughs> I, uh, no, no, no. I am a full on board with I hope this season turns around for everybody on the offense and they all are fantasy superstars. But I just don't have faith. is that because you own any shares of the offense? Uh, I own the, one uh, share of Drake London, but ultimately I I knew this was going to be a ground attack. I guess I do have a share of Bajan, but I'm happy with that's that, so. yeah, you're different. I mean, Bajan <laughs> went 19 for 124 and zero four for five for 48 yards. And Algier was also worked in 16 for 48 and zero. So both on the field a lot. They both have usable starting value for me. And I if I had either of them, I would be comfortable starting them. So Falcons are going to run it. They're going to run it a lot. OK, let's talk about the uh, the Hail Mary game of the week. Washington versus Denver. Commanders win this one 34 to 33. This game was fun, boys. This game actually it wasn't really that great. I'm going to be honest with you, but the end was super fun. The end, I was screaming, running around the house, throwing my hands up when Russell Wilson threw it in the end zone. He threw it like 50 yards with no time on the clock for that trips Hail Mary that we are all so very well known about. It was sick. And it worked. And it usually it doesn't. Good. It worked. It was a tip drill. Got the touchdown, but the, the, uh, Excuse me. 
the Broncos had to go for two and they didn't get it. So very unfortunate. But Sam Howell, I think, is really the story here. He threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns against an above average Denver defense. Is Howell the future? Question mark. Is he is he proven? Is it is it Eric Bieniemy really just getting squeezing the most juice out of his offense? Is it a potentially a combination of both here? Well, I mean, what are we thinking? I think I think what you're seeing is the Bieniemy's ability to get a quarterback comfortable, and I think how just seems comfortable. You also have to remember a game like game flow is important here because this wasn't just a back and forth. Denver came out and was kicking the shit out of. Uh, the commanders to start. So Washington really only had one play and that was, we got to start spreading it around and start getting this ball downfield because we have to score. So some of that was game script coming into play that helped him get to that 300. So uh, I'd like to see that at the beginning and maybe not out of desperation, get to that point, but it's encouraging. I think, like I said earlier, I think for this offense as a whole, the commanders I'm looking to start more. I had, Robinson on the bench this week because I wasn't sure what that was going to look like in Denver and royally hose me. Um, but I think for overall, seven and two for him. So definitely, I think I'm aware. It anybody I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware of what he did. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a little bit. I'd like to see them do this earlier, but um, I mean that's back to back weeks for Denver kind of imploding. So I wonder if that's also a, uh, a yeah a, a tale. That's what I was going to say is that we got to remember that this is a Denver team that just lost to the Raiders who are vying for the worst team in the NFL. So we don't necessarily hey, know. You watch it. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just saying. We're hey, going to we, talk about the Cardinals in a little bit here, and I think we're in contention. Yeah, I'd say you are too. Um, Shout out. But, but uh, yeah, we, we, we need to see a little bit more time on the field for the commanders to really judge. But ultimately, the offense looks decent. And the biggest fantasy takeaway for me is, is still Brian Robinson because – you know, one of the big reasons people were afraid to touch him, myself included, is because we assume this is going to be a split backfield with Gibson getting the majority of the passing down work. And through two weeks, that has not been the case at all. So I'm comfortable starting Brian Robinson just because of the workload. If he's going to get 15 to 20 touches a game, damn good deal. No, I agree with you completely. Uh, everybody else is kind of difficult to predict for the uh, commanders as far as wide receivers and tight ends. Um, he's he. Sam Howell spread the ball evenly between 10 different pass catchers, most of whom got two to three catches. So very difficult to uh, to kind of predict. I, I think things could potentially change. Unfortunate for Don Dotson owners, who I have been very high on as well as you, Scotty, and unfortunately didn't, didn't do as well as we would have hoped. Russ Wilson, he finished the day with over 300 yards and three touchdowns. The numbers are severely inflated due to that trip sell Mary, but it worked. If you started Russ, I'm sorry, but you did get production out of him. So uh, congrats there. And then better days to come for Sutton and Judy. Sutton led the team in targets. He wasn't able to haul in many of them. Judy just finally came back. I'd like to see how this progresses with Judy because he is that wide receiver one for this team, but wasn't there. It's kind of a non-factor in this game. So let's see how Sean Payton and Russ Wilson get him involved. Last thing on this is Javante Williams' workload is pretty encouraging. Script was very against him in a lot of ways, but he is still uh, – he saw 12 carries to P. Ryan's one. I think P. Ryan, you can kind of just – shine and put him on the shelf and say we'll see you again one day buddy but maybe not today because javante williams looks like he's coming back and he's playing pretty damn good speaking of pretty damn good this is disgusting i hate the cowboys with every fiber of my being i hate deck press deck dak prescott but it is hard to ignore the fact that they are good and i don't want to say dak's good but the 
Cowboys defense is absolutely insane. If you started the Cowboys defense, congratulations. You got 16 points, but I will say this. There's an asterisk there. So for all you Cowboys fans, you dropped this. You were playing against Zach Wilson. So I, I don't, this is what we expect. I expected this. I can't say we, but I expected this hundred percent. I said, you can't really start most of this Jets team because Zach Wilson is terrible. We saw him last year. I don't think he has really progressed as much as a lot of people had hoped. I think Jets fans were certainly hoping because they have no other decision but to hope that he could be something of semblance for an offensive output, but unfortunately he was not. He was not. Aaron Rodgers is a difference maker, and Zach Wilson is a difference maker in the other direction. So uh, if you started any of the running backs for the Jets, very unfortunate Brees, or Brees Hall was absent in this one, though. I mean, he only got four touches, which is kind of concerning after we saw him last week. I know that in the Jets, the Jets uh, coaching staff, they did say that they were going to kind of work Brees Hall in. So I'm not hitting the panic button on him, but I'm also kind of I think you can't start him against any good defenses at this point. No, he was pissed after the game, too, because all he did well, was tweet tweet four football emojis for the amount of carries he had. So yeah. he was not very happy. No. Yeah, well, and everybody knows Brees Hall, you know, after watching week one, even on limited touches, he is by far like he he is he is the real deal. He's a difference maker. I think they're going to get him in as soon as they feel comfortable, you know, putting the workload on him, especially if Zach Wilson is incapable of doing anything. Uh, I really think the big reason why they kept him out of this game is because the Jets offensive line is bad. And the Dallas Cowboys defensive line is the best in the league. And they're like, well, we're not going to risk Brees Hall getting injured on a negative two yard carry that that's probably going to happen every single time he touches the ball. And that's that's the reason why you couldn't start any of these Jets players, because you knew Zach Wilson was going to have no time. He's bad when he has time. I think this and I, I'm curious. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I, I'm this is my mentality. Zach Wilson completed 12 total passes in this game. He throws three picks. Those wide receivers are completely matchup dependent starts now for me. Like if, if the matchup is not there and they're playing a very difficult defense, you sit any of those wide receivers. Yeah. You saw what Dallas did the week before you see him now this week. I mean that they're going to do that to most. It's just the whole thing is exacerbated by the fact that it's me or you out there throwing these, you know, honestly, I think I'd rather be out there. (laughs) I'd rather die than watch Zach I'd Wilson. Take, throw I take balls. the paycheck. I take the paycheck, and then that's, yeah. that's sure, yeah, no. If I'm getting the rest paid, of your life in a wheelchair, do the same thing that Zach Wilson's doing. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Uh, sign me up. So uh, to that point, I think where you drafted Garrett Wilson at, I think you got to play him. Uh, you know, uh, unless you have a really, really good other option. The th- the thing that's the one sparkle of hope that you can get from this is Zach Wilson never got Garrett Wilson any touchdowns last season and this season he's already got two. Uh, so i mean I, I that's think like a, a sliver of happiness if it's you're a like, sliver of happiness it's a small yes, piece of the pie but it's something that you need if you drafted garrett wilson where you did that he's still he's looking like he's actually going to get these targets when they get in the red zone and we have to remember not every team is dallas they're going to be able to run the ball and move the ball forward on a lot of teams in the league and garrett wilson seems to be a guy that is likely to get targeted in the red zone. So just, just I'm take benching that him for other options. Like maybe perhaps Puka Nuka. I know it's Puka. not Nuka, but that's what we're calling him. Nuka. San Fran wins this game 30 to 23 against the LA Rams, but Puka Nuka is a bona fide. It's a bona fide stud. He went 15 for 20. He had 20 freaking targets for 147 yards. That volume that the man is getting is absolutely staggering, but can it last? Can it last? Currently, 
Puka is wide receiver two on the year, just five points behind Tyreek Hill. This is a rookie wide receiver. But is Puka a safe bet to continue to play when Cooper Cup returns? I think Puka's very easily earned himself a starting role in your lineups going forward, but Cooper comes back in two weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Cooper is going to have some issues. I don't think he's ever going to be 100% from here on. I think when you have injuries spanning multiple seasons and they start stacking, I would be very comfortable also considering that Stafford threw the ball 50 freaking times. Like somebody's going to have to catch those. Um, I was going to say a quick stat alluding to the five points just behind Hill. Um, the top fantasy points for this season, number one is Hill. Number two is Puka Nuka. Number three is the Dallas defense, which we just talked about. So <laughs> just as we all drew it up, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. You yeah. got to get Hill. You got to get Puka Nuka. You got to get the Dallas defense if you want to win your league. So that's what we told to everybody us. from the start. Yeah. We said, yeah. if you want to win fantasy football, this is what you do. And don't go back and look for it because it's not worth it. We're telling you. Now. Yeah. Yeah. We're telling you again. Like, why listen to old news? So um, let me you you raise this question on the notes here, and I think it's a good one. I want to spend a little bit of time on it because um, I actually think there's some validity here. Obviously, Puka Nuka is setting the league on fire um, with Cooper Cup coming back. Obviously, the injuries are a big concern, but you have to imagine that this target sp- that this target share is going to be split when Cooper Cup is on the field. I, I am very interested in keeping Puka Nuka on my roster, but it's probably worth throwing some trade bait out there and seeing because people are so high on this guy right now, yeah. and rightly so, that you might be able to get a ridiculous return for this. So I'm, I'm not saying sell him cheap. I'm not even really saying sell him fair. But if you can get someone to overpay, I think you probably could. It might be worth it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because in our dynasty league, he actually just hit the trade block right before we started recording. And I reached out to the owner and I said, hey, look, I'm not saying I'm interested, but I'm just genuinely curious. What that like, what are you looking for in Puka Nuka? I know it's Nakua. So anybody who says they're sitting there fuming, I know. And he said this, he said, hey. I'm looking for a first round pick next year. And I, I started laughing. I said, you're crazy. But then I thought to myself, if I own him, yeah, I'd probably be looking for the same thing right now. That's where I think intrinsically you're going to see, and this is for dynasty players. I think that that's where you're never going to meet in the middle is I am not willing to spend a first round pick on this guy, but anybody who owns him is going to want a first round pick for this guy because of his performance. Now you might find some people who do, but I think the large majority of fantasy players are not going to spend a first round pick on him. But if you own him, that's what you want at this point because of the performance this point. Now, mm-hmm. perhaps there's a world in which he comes back to Earth. He's still a good own. I mean, he, you know, the the owner of him in our Dynasty League brought up this point. He said, he's doing a lot better than almost any other rookie right now. I said, yeah, it's only week two, so I'm not really like writing much into that. But I guess if you really want to stand on that t- on that pillar, that's fine. I understand that. I'm not willing to spend that. And and I think, you know, I, I love the fact that you brought that up, Scotty, because in redraft formats, he certainly could be worth a huge sell. If you have two good wide receivers and you lucked out on picking him up off waivers, the question you need to ask yourself, and boys, I'm curious, does he finish in the top 10 as far as wide receivers this year? Do you, I mean, honestly, if he continues this performance, sure. But, and I know this is kind of putting you guys on the spot. Does he finish as a top 10 wide receiver? Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say no. I, I think that 
right now he is competing with none of the Bengals wide receivers to start. And uh, there are a lot of teams that I think are going to pick up steam as time goes on. So I'm going to say no. But the the other thing that doesn't necessarily mean he's not, this is why I say, if you're going to sell him, make sure you're getting a good value because you got him for free. If he's a top 24 wide receiver, this is a tremendous value that you have that you can throw into your flex. So that's why you need to make sure you're getting great value. If you're going to look to shit. No, but that, 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 uh, that was my point is if he doesn't finish as a top 10 and somebody's so high on him that you could sell him for i don't want to get crazy but, but we sent out a tweet i've seen a lot going on in the twitterverse puka nuke is doing what people wish jamar chase was doing if you could trade him for jamar chase right now in a one-to-one you're doing that in a heartbeat right and some people probably are because they're like you know what jamar chase ain't doing it but this kid is i mean especially with that burrow injury there's a lot of interesting Interesting angles. I'm going to say no as well, just because you got to think that everything balances out. The Bengals wide receivers figured out. There's a lot of other good talents there, but good yes. story. Good or, story. you know, another thing, if you're hurting a running back, you trade him one to one for James Cook right now. I probably would. Yeah, yeah I would. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I agree with that. Um, last piece of news here on this game, other than, of course, KM Makers, which we kind of talked about earlier. I think they're getting pennies on the dollar for him. I don't think they really care what they get for him as long as they get something for him. Um, I think that's kind of where they're at. So I wouldn't be surprised if they sold him. Obviously, I don't think he's going to take another snap. But you know what? If you go listen to last year's episodes, I said the same damn thing. And then at the end of the year, Cam Akers was starting running back and he looked fucking wonderful for the Rams. So who the hell knows? (laughs) It's frustrating. It is. Um, but Brock Purdy, he didn't look great in this outing. CMC eight per usual, and Debo was the fantasy breadwinner this week for that wide receiver room. It's going to rotate. I really do believe that. I think it's going to be Ayuk, Debo, Kittle. Take your pick this week. It was Debo. So, way to go. And the next game in the Who Cares game of the week, the shit versus the shit, aka the New York Giants, win this one 31 to 28 from the Cardinals. I am, a Cardinals shit. I am a Cardinals fan, which is just a bleak, miserable, sad existence. We were up in this game. We had a 20-point lead in this game. We managed to blow it to Daniel Jones, who was our MVP of the week. Saquon <laughs> Barkley looked great. Saquon Barkley looked wonderful. Saquon Barkley is now injured and will potentially be out for the next couple of weeks. I fully expect that, so... That is a problem for Giants fans because Saquon Barkley is the heart and soul of this offense, and he is now out for at least probably three weeks. Thankfully, it was an ankle injury, but he did not break his ankle. It's a sprain. Painful. He'll be out. Aside from that, I don't know. I mean, Hollywood Brown is somebody, uh, and I just want to point this out very quickly. Mm-hmm. He went 6 for 10 for 54-1. and one. Joshua Dobbs looked okay. The Giants defense is terrible. I mean, that's what it is. The Giants defense is not yeah. good. So, no. If you're playing a subpar defense, you could probably spot start Hollywood Brown. James Conner, you're probably still starting no matter what, just because he is RB2 for you. Aside from that, who the fuck cares? Cardinals lost. I'm fine with it. In (laughs) fact, I was actually somewhat happy because that told me right then and there, we really are the worst. So you know what? There's only one way to go from here. That's the first overall pick in the draft this year, and I'm okay with it. So I I don't know. I still think that the Raiders are vying for that same spot because here's a fun stat that I heard today that I enjoyed uh, greatly. Um, 
the this Giants, is my one sliver of happiness, and you're about Giants, to take it from me. The Giants wow, went why scoreless. Why do you think the Raiders are? The Giants went scoreless for six straight quarters, and they still have put up more points over the first two weeks than the Raiders. I mean, I still don't think the Raiders are the bottom. I don't think the Raiders are the worse than the Cardinals. And that's just no. me trying to be an optimist do, yet, or Scotty. Do we need to start a, a counter, a ticker for the Cardinals? Just you getting Caleb Williams? Like, do we need to start just keeping track just to make sure, to like see where they're down. at? I think, yeah, we, just like, no, I think we should. They currently, have, they currently have the first pick, but what if like four or five weeks later, like they're second? You're like, God damn it. When we get to the end of the season, that's really where I'm going to get excited because it's not going to be like excited that the team we'll wins, keep, but no. it's excited I'll to see no. what other teams beat the beat teams that I need them to so we get the first overall pick. So that's that's where I'm at from a fan perspective. Fuck you, Gannon. I hate you. You're scum. <laughs> I think you're terrible. Uh, okay. <laughs> Last game. This game was actually pretty interesting, and it wasn't nearly as uh, offensively crazy as a lot of people were hoping for fantasy football output, but this game is the Dolphins-Patriots game. Dolphins win this game 24-17, to and honestly, I, I think... This was kind of to be expected a little bit. You know, the Patriots always have a very good defense. And guess what they did? They kept Tyreek Hill in check. So the Dolphins offense continued to be explosive. This week, it was Jalen Waddle. He went 86 yards, four receptions against, like I mentioned, the, the very good Patriots defense. Patriots defense is no joke. Their offense isn't wonderful, but their defense is no joke. And the other piece of news here is Jalen Waddle is now being evaluated for a concussion. <laughs> Excuse me. Could well, be a chance that he misses nice. week three. I got the hiccups there, man. Is that Just what concussions sound like? I think so. You I got our ha- concussion sounder. I don't know. Ramondre saved his day with a touchdown, but he is uh, it's hit and miss for him, man. He's still the back to own, obviously, but um, Zeke did see five touches, so I'm not really buying any Zeke shares from Andre still the guy but something of note as well as Hunter Henry has become a usable tight end option six receptions 52 yards and a touchdown and let's get to that sneak peek at that waiver wire because I think he is also there so let's just move over to the waiver wire segment and then we'll get the hell out of here so we have now brought in all of you dirty old nasty fat brain brainiacs a couple different waiver wire targets that Honestly, I think you guys need to listen to this because there's a great amount of news here as far as why you should take these guys. Let's kick it off with Zach Moss. Zach Moss is only currently 56% rostered. Moss, we talked about him a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Colts. He's the guy to own at least very, very minimum for the next week or two because JT is still out. There's rumors that John Taylor is still trying to get a trade deal done. Fingers crossed for the Dolphins. Uh, not a bad own regardless, I don't think. I'm not spending a shit ton of fab on him. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm not blowing the number one waiver claim on Zach Moss by any stretch of the means. But I'd blow a couple dollars, five bucks on him. I think that's very fair, very doable, especially given his performance last week. And I think, you know, either Scotty or Allen, I can't remember which one of you guys had stated, perhaps they're not going to let Anthony Richardson go off as much because they want to protect his scrambled brain. Mm-hmm. So are you guys good with $5 for fab? Do you want to spend more? Where are you at? I, I think that's probably the right amount, but I don't think you're going to get it, get him for that. I think that there are a lot of fantasy managers out there who are hurting at running back that say, this guy's getting all the touches. I want him. I'll spend whatever it takes to get him. And they're just going to risk that and hope that JT doesn't come back. Um, but I, I think that that's probably the right amount that you want to spend because there's a chance that in two weeks, this guy's relegated to an RB, you know, a backup running back that sees three touches a game. 
Okay, let's talk about somebody who's probably a little bit more expensive. That being Kyron Williams, the rookie running back for the Rams. Guys, for me, he is an absolute, no doubt in my mind, must add moving forward. He is the new starting running back for the Rams. He was freaking phenomenal. And also has a current target share, or excuse me, he is uh, 64% rostered. I think I'd be spending most of my fab on this guy. Like, I, I $70 fair out of yeah. 100 would you yeah, spend more? Would you drop he, it all on him? <laughs> he's a fab buster because this is an offense that is way better than anyone expected. And Kyron Williams looks way better than anyone expected. So the touches are there. The opportunities are going to be there. He's a guy that you add to your team and he's a potential league winner. So I'm, I'm blowing pretty much all the fab budget on him. Definitely. Okay. I, I tend to agree with you there. I think I would also be spending most of my money there. And I, I think you're going to really have a tough time getting him depending upon, you know, a couple of people might be spending most of their fab on him. So it mm-hmm. all depends on how much money you got and where you line up in that waiver wire, um, where you line up as far as what position you got. Jaden Reed, wide receiver for the Packers. He is the rookie wide receiver. He looks like he might be Jordan Love's go-to guy without Christian Watson on the field. He did go four for eight for 37 and two this week. He led the targets this week. Don't spend a lot on this guy but he might be worth a speculative ad. He currently has a 25% target share through the first two weeks, which is pretty damn good. Like that is a good amount of target share for a guy. I would probably 15, 10, 10, 15, somewhere on there. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. He's one of those guys that I might just hope to pick up. If nobody else grabs him, uh, maybe $1 (laughs) a fab A dollar. Just the only reason is because Christian Watson's going to be coming back sooner than later. And I think that this receiver room is going to look a lot different with him on the field as the alpha. Jaden Reed is is sort of like that Gabe Davis play where he's going to have some weeks where he nabs a touchdown and he's going to be usable. He's going to have a lot of weeks where he catches three balls and goes for 30 yards. So I just don't have 25% target share through two weeks. We'll see if that continues with Christian Watson. Christian Watson is the obvious alpha here, and that target share is going to take a significant dip. And you got to remember, too, Aaron Jones wasn't on the field, um, and he's he's he is going to get a lot of touches, um, and those touches are not going to be going to Reed. So I'll spend five dollars on Reed just because I got money to blow, baby. What about Tutu Atwell? Tutu Atwell, he's another waiver wire target this week, although. He is the quiet one. He's the shy one. He's the one that's not talked about for this Rams wide receiver room. He's still having himself some wonderful usage. Tutu Atwell is currently wide receiver 15 on the season. He has put up back-to-back double-digit games. In two weeks, he's got an 18.2% target share. He's only 32% rostered with, you know, Scotty, you just mentioned how much they're throwing the ball. What do we think? I mean, Cooper Cup's coming back here soon. So is he just one of those guys who you wait until after a waiver's clear and you try and sneak him on? Yes. I would not necessarily spend money on it. Kyron Williams is leading running backs and targets. You have Puka Nuka, and then you have Cooper coming back. I think going back to your question, if anybody gets hurt from Coop coming back, it's going to be 2-2. I think you're going to see him getting maybe four, a couple targets here and there, but I think it's going to be the rest of that team that thrives. I think it's also tough to trust anybody that has the same name as a pant, you know, <laughs> so two, two fair. I think it's a form fair. of pants. So fair. that's fair. But what I don't that's think is fair take. is <laughs> tutus or pants. Tutus. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you call a tutu? An undergarment? It's more it's like not a undergarment. skirt. A is it a skirt? Garment? It's more it's like, like a skirt. skirt. 
Yeah, I guess that's fair. All right. This is this is like the same adage of like don't play poker with guys named after a city. Is this the same logic? Like I think so. If you if you what like is a skirt a pant? <laughs> we'll put it on the pot. We'll put it on the pot. I don't know. This is something we need to figure out, and I am way too dumb to figure that out. Uh, but what I'm not dumb to figure out is how much Nico Collins is getting involved, and he is a for sure locked waiver wire target for me if he is on the waiver. He's only 55% roster right now, so there is a chance that he's sitting there. A fourth-year wide receiver for the Texans, please, 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 please go make sure that he is not sitting on your waiver wire right now because if he is, you need to spend some money and you need to acquire him because he is the wide receiver one for this Texans offense. He is seeing a 22% target share. The Texans are going to be playing down quite a bit, and I think this is only going to benefit Collins. He's looked great. He's performing very well, and you need to spend $30. You think that's pretty, pretty fair for a Collins buy right now? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, one thing that's really encouraging is how much they're letting their rookie quarterback throw the ball. Obviously, we knew they were going to be down a lot, but the question is, okay, are we going to give the rookie the opportunity to shine? And they are. So that that makes me very comfortable having Nico Collins. Um, so yeah, I, I I think he's definitely worth an ad. I'd say twenty thirty fab dollars is 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 good. Okay. What about Hunter Henry? I don't put much stock into tight ends. I don't put much stock into purchasing tight ends off of the waiver wire. But the the beautiful thing is nobody does. So typically Mm -hmm. you can kind of get them after waivers clear. Is that what we're doing with Hunter Henry? He's now had two solid weeks under his belt, indicating that he can be a reliable option for fantasy. He was a little bit start and sit last season. He had some booms. He had some busts. But right now he's 16% rostered. They're scheming Bill O'Brien, Billy B, former Texans head coach, now OC for the Patriots. He's scheming some things. Hunter Henry, we uh, are we spending any fab or are we kind of waiting to see if things clear? I'd wait to see if it clears. I think it's kind of odd usage across the board with tight ends this year. I know Kelsey being out kind of slants that one way, but I think it was the stat last week that the number one tight end was like wide receiver 40. So it's kind of, I think at this point you're, treading a little bit. I don't I wouldn't invest too much on tight ends at the moment. See, I, I think when you have a tight end who is consistently involved in the offense, that gives you a leg up. So, you know, I'm not going to blow my whole budget on Hunter Henry, but I'm willing to put some money down if I'm struggling at the tight end position, if I'm streaming tight ends. He's someone that you it seems like right now might be able to set and forget and he is going to be involved in the offense. I think the offensive coordinator change has made a big difference in New England, and the offense itself looks better than what we would expect, and Hunter Henry's a big part of that. So I am perfectly happy spending a little bit to get Hunter Henry. How much are you spending, Scotty? Uh, I'd probably spend 15. I'm doing the math. He's rich. Right yeah, you're, you're spending $15 on this man? Yeah. No, no, I mean, it shot. depends on if you I'm have not. a tight end that you're comfortable with. I mean, if you have like a David and Joku, okay, I'm not going to spend anything because he's kind of in the same ballpark. Uh, but if you're struggling a tight end or streaming, which, you know, if you're just rolling the dice and hoping, then I think Hunter Henry could ease your concerns quite a bit. Would you, okay, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Zach Ertz or Hunter Henry? Um, probably Hunter Henry. Really? Hmm. Is it? What if I told you that Zach Ertz was seeing almost a 30% target share in a shitty offense and, and Hunter Henry seeing a 13.5% target share? Does that sway it? Um, no. Hunter Henry is the tight end two on the season. Blows Ertz out of the water. That No. Well, he's tight end one on the season in standard. I guess if you're looking at PPR, he is tight end two. <laughs> you really looked at me in, the, in my soul. And he's got Mac like, Jones. Yeah, I, and he's got Mac Jones. So Mac Jones is the goat, man. Touchdown Mac King. Mac Jones is dog water. I'm taking <laughs> Zach Ertz. I, the, you can't predict 
touchdowns, and right now it's happening. That target share for Zach Ertz is disgusting. And Zach Ertz, let me see where he's owned. Uh, it's probably gone up a little bit since last week. I'm sure it has because the target share is, is wonderful. Zach Ertz is 17% rostered. I'd get Ertz. Ertz is going to be there. He's going to be cheap. And I, I think, I mean, he saw 10 targets last week, eight this week. He just didn't get that touchdown or he probably would have been tight end one. So I'm taking Ertz over Hunter Henry. I think they're both usable. I think they're both fine. Yeah. Um, but I would rather have Ertz because he's one of those guys who's flying under the radars. And for those that listen in our true brainiacs, you're getting the inside scoop. Zach Ertz is worth a speculative bonus. Yeah, it's a it's a good name to throw out there because if you're really struggling a tight end, these are two viable tight end options that you have probably on your waiver right now. Yeah, and they might not be moving forward. It, like I said, if Ertz gets at one touchdown this week, I think we're having a completely different conversation. Last person worth talking about is Matt Breida. And the only reason I want to bring Matt Breida up, for those that don't know, he is the running back two for the Giants. And I mentioned earlier, Saquon Barkley left the game after suffering a right ankle injury. He was very visibly upset. He got an MRI. He's going to miss a couple weeks. Matt Breida is 3% rostered. I have a note here. Don't spend big on him, but he's going to be a starting running back. I mean, what are you guys thinking? Are you even interested in owning him? Is the giant so disgusting that you're just going to say, fuck it. I'm not even going to get it. Not even going to get skin in that game without Saquon. No, I think the the strategy for running backs, if you're, if you're hurting, which a lot of fantasy owners are, because if you don't have maybe a couple guys, you're like, what am I going to do? I think you're really looking for situations where the running back's just going to get the lion's share of the opportunity. And you just have to weigh the opportunities and, and say, this guy has a propensity to go big, may not, but he may sneak in a touchdown or two, and then you just look like a genius that week. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, this is with, with these back end running backs as well as tight ends, you also have to look at how often, you know, at, at the matchup and how often they're actually going to have to do something. I'd, I'd rather have a running back who's splitting carries on a decent offense. That's going to be in scoring position than have a running back who is the sole running back in a team that never touches the red zone. Um, so, you know, Matt Breida, I think he's going to end up splitting touches anyway, but he's not someone I'm real excited about. I, I put him in the same line as like Gus Edwards uh, and and Hill where, you know, okay, those guys at the very least are going to be in the red zone because that's a good offense. And so I, I kind of see them the same way that it's you play them if you have to. Okay, let's play a quick game before we get out of here. Very quick, very quick. You own Quentin Johnson on your team. You drop him for 2-2 at well, question mark. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you could play Tutu Atwell right now. Do you drop him for Jaden Reed? I don't think so. It depends uh, on your I makeup. probably would. I probably would. I also I, I, would, given the target share. He's on the field, that's, and you that's, can't say the same about Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I'm not I just, playing stardom, but right, hard right. to catch well, touchdowns on the bench. That's the thing, though, is that yeah. it's you're going to still struggle as to whether or not you're going to start him. And if you have Johnston you're one injury away from knowing he's a solid start. Sure. Um, last one, uh, Matt Breida, you pick him up and drop Johnson. If you, if you really, really need to. I'm going to say no. My <laughs> vote is no. I would still hold Johnson over Breida because I don't think Breida is going to get it done for the Giants. If you went really wide receiver heavy in your draft and you got Saquon Barkley yeah. and now he's out and now you have literally no other options. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's all <laughs> roster dependent, but if Matt Breida was the last human on earth, you'd pick him up. <laughs> oh, I'd have sex with him too. Someone's got to breed. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else, gentlemen? 
Yeah, I got some interesting news coming through Twitter, um, especially if you're uh, starting Amari Cooper tonight. It does look like he will be a go despite that groin injury that he was nursing all weekend. That's and some other And some other news coming out uh, is Sean McVay said that they are actively talking to a number of teams trying to trade Cam Akers. So it is not mm. even speculative. They are, he is admitting they're talking to teams. Oh, yeah. So, and one of them probably so being the Ravens. Yeah, so I would expect him. I mean, if he's like, if they're in talks like this, I would expect him to be moved probably tomorrow. So uh, let me ask you this: We're not dropping Cam Akers, right? Like we're holding Cam Akers, and we're going to no, see that's, like that's part of the fun because then yeah. you get him on a new team, and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah well, like, and if you if, if you drafted Cam Akers, knowing the history of all the drama, you knew that this was at least a possibility. And if he goes anywhere else, the usage is going to be better than a healthy scratch. So it's true. Do you trade him as soon as the news pops and you ride the high, or do you just tr- you ride him until the wheels fall off? Depends on where he oh. goes. I'm just going to trade him right away. All right. Last question. Let's uh, Saints or Panthers, who wins? Uh, Game is started. Saints. Zero to zero. Saints. Saints win that. What about Steelers-Browns? Uh, Browns. Browns. Yeah, I also have the Browns. Okay. Look just want to make sure we're... Derek- Derek Carr and Nick Chubb to have big days. That's what. That's my thoughts. Yes, okay. I need Nick Chubb to put up like thirty-five points in one of my leagues. Okay. So okay, just just Fingers just crossed. kidding. I don't. I, just kidding. I don't want Nick Chubb anymore. Sheesh. Fuck you, bud. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot of love going on here. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Go do all the things. Follow us on all the socials. Uh, go check out our website, leatherbrains.com. And uh, we will be back for the live show Wednesday. If you missed the live show, we do have this up on YouTube. Go check us out, Leather Brains Fantasy Football on YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe. Appreciate it. And if not, we're on your podcast platform. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.